Tuesday Night Talk is a part of Real Sound Reviews YouTube channel where I make tutorial, reviews and many incredible things to help you in sound creation. You can support by donation on patreon.com zdv and indeed subscribe to never miss a single episode. everyone, today we are with Anna Abuola. And, uh, hello. Hello. And um, so I find interesting for one time to have a um, chat with someone who is not directly a musician, but that is also a Latvian artist, I suppose. So how would you, how would you define yourself? You say on your Instagram profile, digital artist. Yeah. Yes, um, I would probably call myself an illustrator and a graphic designer. Mm -hmm. um, graphic design is something that I do um, as a as a day job, but illustration is something that I do um, for myself and for most more like more or less freelance. Um, yeah, but that's kind of where my heart is. So um, yeah, I would say an illustrator, a graphic designer. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, uh, how would you define the style uh, you are uh, you are making? Is it does it correspond to some kind of uh, field or style or some school or is it? Um, I I wouldn't say that it's it, it's it's kind of hard to define it. Um, when people see my work for the first time, especially when they're not kind of familiar with the art field, they tend to say, um, oh, this reminds me of like an anime or something like mm -hmm. that. But mm -hmm. for me, when I hear that, I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> um, I'm, I, I don't watch anime. It hasn't had like influence on me. So I find it um, amusing that it's, that's the thing that it reminds people of. But for me, um, how my own style came about was just um, exploring illustration altogether. Uh, I was um, I was working on my uh, diploma project in high school. I needed to uh, create an artwork to graduate, um, and I just looked up a ton of illustrators that I really liked and I wrote down the things that I like about them. Either it was their line work or the way that they showed lighting or their compositions or their color schemes and I kind of picked at those things that seemed most important to me and just experimented and so it came about like that. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I never really tried to copy anything or something like that but um, yeah, it's it's just a mix of all sorts of things that I find beautiful. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, that, that was my next question: is uh, what what are the artists? Who, who are the artists who influenced you? Because this is a field where I know almost nothing <laughs> in art in classical art, but maybe there is a new mo motion now. So, uh, if you can speak to us about some artists? Um, I think the two artists that I usually name when it comes to this uh, question is Takato Yamamoto, which is a Japanese illustrator mm -hmm. who um, 
his work is slightly um, gruesome and it, it can be like uh, erotic as well. But I really like the way that he works on details and his line work is like so organic and flowy. And even though the themes of his work might be a bit off-putting to some people, um, I, I still found it to be really beautiful. So when I work on my own line work, like the first layer of my illustrations, I usually get, still get inspired by his work. Um, and the other artist would be Guy Shield, uh, which is uh, an American illustrator. Um, and his way of depicting lighting is really beautiful and that inspires me as well. Um, that's sort of more, um, more or less contemporary, but um, when it comes to uh, the old masters, it would probably be Pre-Raphaelites, um, 19th century English artists. Mm -hmm. um, um, yeah, I recently wrote an essay on them as well <laughs> because I needed to for, for university, but uh, their work has remained stunning and I've always um, been really inspired by that as well. So. So you, you, you first education and, and studies were about art or, or you came back to, because I, I was wondering why you feel the need to came back to this kind of studies you are doing right now. Mm, I, um, I started my first art school when I was eight and then it's, it's been constant since then. So my, uh, my all of my um, education has some sort of an art uh, background more or less um, so yeah I I've I've done it forever so I, I can't really imagine it any other way so yeah did you keep the drawings that what you were making when you were eight um I personally have not but I think that my, my mother might have some okay. somewhere uh, I would be interested to see them as well, actually. It would be uh, okay. nice to compare. <laughs> that, that's, yeah, that's very personal. So when, so maybe, well, that's, um, you already answered this, this question, but in a sense, but when did you feel that you were really uh, wanting, wanting to um, make a job out of this uh, design work? And where did you feel this thrill and drive inside of you? Um, I think it kind of came about in uh, high school, more or less, because that's when I kind of discovered my own style. It was through working on my graduation project. And I also had an amazing teacher who really um, inspired me and pushed me mm -hmm. forward and kind of uh, um, always said that, you know, I you got this, like you can do this, because um, sometimes digital artists are still a bit like looked down upon and people tend to think that oh that's not real art like the computer does everything for you that's what is this so so that that can be a bit um scary when you first come to it and when you realize that this is what you want to do but what if people don't really see you as an artist so um he really helped me with uh, kind of understanding that i'm i'm in on the right path um so to allow yourself to say okay yeah. i can do it that's yeah. that's relevant mm -hmm. it's it's uh, sometimes a, a tough question because met uh could you if you have a clue or if you give us some indication uh, uh, how 
do you uh, start uh, a drawing? Is it? Is it... Um, I mostly start by just um, well, I have my idea, which is more or less it's either like a composition that I see in my head or it's like a feeling <laughs> that I want mm -hmm. to express, and then from that I try to search for some reference photography on the internet when I can um, or I take my own pictures if I can't find any <laughs> so maybe that's some of the reasons why I've I've had some people tell me that my uh, characters look like me <laughs> that's that's probably uh, because I couldn't find a reference picture and I had to take one of myself um, and I found I find the picture and then I start to draw like with rough lines i lay out the composition kind of what i want to be there and then i just build from there and in the beginning it's all like a mess of colored lines but then it just becomes more clear as i work um, um and yeah that's that's kind of how it happens mm. <laughs> but yes yeah, so this is striking how personal your the theme you are choosing are and uh, really, it's uh, in my opinion, it shows how you are involved in what you you do. Well, um, recently, uh, I was um, I, I noticed something that is very important, and that is also a problem that is in common with mus musician is that you were fighting some plagiary, uh, some yeah. Yeah. And it seems to be uh, a constant issue for digital artists on the net and on Instagram, especially. And you, I saw that you set um, rules uh, if you for yes. repost. So, uh, can you um, explain to us, uh, well, well, this um, this context and the, the, how you uh, often or how hard you you face this kind of problem um yes like copyright infringement is definitely something that's ongoing and has been ongoing for as long as i've i've been on the internet and i remember when i first started when i first made my um my Instagram profile, I thought, well, like, I wouldn't have those sorts of problems. Like, people barely even see my work. Why would somebody want mm -hmm. to repost it somewhere? Um, and then I just used to put um, my signature on the bottom of, of my work. And But what I found was that the more people started to follow me, the more cases there were where people would just screenshot my work and they would cut off the bottom of it and they would repost it on their own pages and like every time i saw that i was like oh this is really this makes me really sad so i yeah i i kind of tried to ignore it but especially when you see people posting your work and when they say that they are the ones who mm -hmm. did it or they try to take the credit for it or they have a wider audience than you do and they do these sorts of things it's like really kind of your pride doesn't really let you sit still when that happens you're like no this is mine but um <laughs> yeah so i started the way that i battled that was i started putting my watermarks in the middle of mm -hmm. of all of my works which I can admit that it doesn't really look um, pleasing, but it stops the stealing for most part. It still sometimes happens, but at least when it happens, the people can find me, you know, 
who really are interested in my work, they know what my name is. So that's kind of what matters uh, to me the most. So, yeah. But I think this is something that will continue to exist unless mm. there is there is some sort of uh, complete change in, in the world of, of digital like art rights. <laughs> so, yeah. The one one sad thing that happened to me recently was like a big um, company in America who used my work for their advertising and they made money off of my work. So uh, that was really shocking to me to see that like they even like digitally manipulated my work to put their products in there for advertising. And that was, yeah, I, I came across it by accident. So if I hadn't seen it, I wouldn't even know. So right now I'm kind of looking into it and I'm thinking of um, maybe having a word with them and seeing uh, what kind of compensation I can get because this is um, this is really like illegal, like properly illegal because they're, you know, using it to make money. Um, but I'm still kind of trying to figure, figure it out. So we'll see where that goes. <laughs> And are you are you discussing between digital artists about these issues? Are there association or something that try to protect you? Um, there are illustrator associations. I've I've heard about them um, when I was studying abroad in England because one of the first things that they uh, taught us about were like copyrights and and all of these things that. Sadly, they don't teach in my university here in Latvia, but there they did. Um, but I found out that it's very local, like there is an illustration mm -hmm. association per country. So mm -hmm. here in Latvia, we don't really have that. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, we're kind of on our own. <laughs> uh, and so you, we can also precise that you um, sell your your heart with an Etsy shop or is yeah. there yeah yeah I do I I sell my work like I sell prints of mm -hmm. my illustrations and that's um kind of the on, only way right now how I'm not the only way but one of the one of the ways that I make money off of my work that I've already made and the other ways by commissions and freelance stuff um yeah and that's really I think an online shop that's kind of where your instagram following is important because most people found, find my um my shop through my instagram not not the other way around so uh yeah that's that's where that's where it's really um, beneficial to have a number of people who know you mm -hmm. um yeah <laughs> And, but on, on my shop as well, I still still have to put my watermarks on everything because that's still on the internet and I, um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's a bit funny. I always have to clarify in my product descriptions that there is no watermark on the real thing when you get it, don't worry, so yeah. <laughs> Limit. So, about Instagram, uh, I have to say that it makes me feel a little old. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will try to explain to you why. I was on the internet when nobody cared about in university in 1994. 
And at the time, I said, hey, what is this, an email, but what is it useful? Well, it's, um, you were not born maybe at the time or, well. So, uh, I, I, uh, there was this internet 2.0 when, I don't know when Instagram started, seven years ago, eight years ago, maybe. I don't remember. Well, and, and Facebook and maybe um, a lot, lot, lot of social media right now. And really, I uh, feel more and more um, um, overwhelmed by all this different type of producing content. You have the pictures, you have the stories, you have yeah. the real, you have the IGTV, and every social media want to have its own way Yes. To of broadcasting. That's definitely, that's you're definitely not the only one who is overwhelmed because that's the same for me as well. Okay, so I'm kind of reassured, but <laughs> I feel like, and this is an issue that you mentioned in some of your posts. It's I feel this is one of the causes that is responsible for some form of burnout. Yes. And and some people between. 18 and 25 we didn't mention your age but you are younger than i am <laughs> so i feel it, it's and uh, it's absolutely unbearable for me to see that people that are in their 20s are already burning out because of that so i want i wanted to ask you what are your thoughts and feeling about this because i think this is a major issue just just to mention that because this Content produ production has to be some for of, of some sort of duty or man being becoming mandatory. Otherwise, it seems that you disappear for the algorithm. Or wow. yes, that that is the that is the heart crushing thing that you can't allow yourself to disappear. Not even for a little bit, because if you do, then then it's like people are not gonna remember you if you're gone for a month. It's it's really. It is overwhelming, as you said, because there are even these videos on YouTube that you can see where there are people like explaining how to crack down the Instagram algorithm, how to gain followers, and mm -hmm. each one of those explanations is like, you're gonna post one post per day, one reel per day, one IGTV, like 10 stories, and whenever I hear that, I'm just like... So when do you live exactly like what is when is the life happening so it's it's insane because at the end of the day if you put yourself under that sort of pressure that is going to get you the follower numbers or whatever you're gonna either your content is going to get really bad because nobody Absolutely. can can yeah. produce yeah. high quality content at that kind of speed or either you're just going to burn out and you're not going to be able to do anything at all, which is, there is no way that you can win. So I think when it comes to that, you just have to kind of um, tell yourself that the people who really care about your work are going to be there, are going to find you and are going to support you because that's that's how it is. Like for me as well, like my recent experience with Instagram was that I really, I felt really burnt out and I had my university work, which was like insane. And I was up to my neck with the things that I needed to do. 
and I couldn't post anything for like a month approximately or a month and a half or mm-hmm. something like mm-hmm. that and I lost like three and a half thousand followers just because I didn't do anything oh. and and I saw that and I was like all right and that creates a feeling for you that you don't even want to go on your platform anymore because you don't want to see that number like dropping every time like as you log in so it's like the first time that that happened to me it was like I was really like I didn't know what to do like right now I'm kind of more used to it and I mm-hmm. I can see that there are there is a certain number of people who just who are there and who comment and who say supportive things to me when I, like whatever happens so i'm like oh all right okay i'm i'm good so and also i think that media creates this false kind of um narrative that all these people who follow you actually see your work or they are interested mm-hmm. in what you do which is mm-hmm. not true at all you kind of have to see which is what is your like ratio between the likes that you get and the followers that you have or something like that so um yeah that's those numbers can be really misleading i think what matters is really like how much heart uh, these people put into it and um yeah, and how much they really care, because it doesn't take a lot of strength to just push a follow button and then never care about that person Absolute, again. Yeah, so, yeah. And, yeah. It, and it raises the question on how, what, what is the credibility about the true advertising power of such platforms, because every brand is fighting for some clicks and hoping, yeah? yeah? And... Um, uh, so, uh, well, more or less, you already answered, so, but, uh, but what kind of advice you would give to photographers or digital artists that wants to use these platforms based on your experience? Mm. I would say use the platform for building connections with other people in the industry, mm. because that's ultimately what also can help you with the with exposure and with followers because i remember when i started out i i didn't do it on purpose like i did i wasn't like talking to people just to get exposure but i just talked to some artists who who i admired and i thought their work was really nice and i just like chatted with them and then they you know gave me a shout out on their story mm-hmm. or they would you know promote my work to their followers and it was just like an it was really it created like a sense of community almost like you can really feel that this little like field of artists who care care about each other and um and you know care if the other one is succeeding um and yeah and there there have been really nice moments i remember there was uh, one of my artist's friends who um she had like over a hundred thousand followers i think on instagram and her account got hacked and um it got taken down and she had to start everything from scratch like she had to make a new account and um and all of these followers and friends were gone so she would just um you know dm uh, her friends her artist friends and all of them we gave her like shout outs on on our pages so all these people like the followers that we had in common they knew that she has a new account now and followed her again so it's like uh 
yeah, I thought that was really sweet. <laughs> so maybe this is too personal question, but it seems that you have a special interest for Korea. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, that kind of started, actually, I think in a few weeks it will be exactly five years ago. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I just stumbled upon a Korean drama, it's called K-dramas for short, and it was called uh, Descendants of the Sun, it was the English name of it. And I watched it and I was like completely blown away by how different it was from everything that I've ever seen before, but at the same time how like deeply familiar s some of it felt to me, which was shocking because it's a completely different culture, but there was something that was so close to my heart in it that I just kind of jumped <laughs> and and now now I can't get out. <laughs> How familiar? Why, why uh, if, you, um, if you can tell us? I think the way that I kind of think about it was that kind of my my understanding of what relationships and love and friendships are were kind of built on this foundation of 19th century English novels. And that was okay. kind of where I came from. And I was like, okay, this is how this is supposed to be. Don't try to like tell me <laughs> anything else. So I was, that's kind of what I, what I felt was right. But then of course, as you really grow up and you start to watch like more um, American television, for example, you see quite, quickly that there is like you know nobody's gonna walk towards you in a mist or something like that so okay. <laughs> so you're just like oh well that's that's a bummer <laughs> but um but i think with k-dramas there is this level of like um fragileness and kind of um tenderness in relationships that doesn't really that has disappeared a bit in the West, but it's still existent there. And I was really surprised to find that it's still a thing somewhere. So not not uh, for not not for Frenchmen of the old school. <laughs> that's yeah, that's maybe. Um, but at least in, in my in my experience that's kind of um, yeah, it was a really um, there was a great difference in what I saw on on Western television on and on on the one from Korea. But obviously, you know, I have to keep in mind it's still television in both of those places, so... <laughs> yeah, but it says yeah. something about yeah. the, about the culture, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. it, it can. Uh, um, you, you, it's also, I notice on your profile, not only personal, but your art profile, that you yeah. uh, give a lot of... Um, you, you care a lot about uh, minorities, women rights, mm -hmm. it's, uh, well, m if I'm not wrong, but yeah, uh, yeah. it's, uh, you feel that it's uh, really something that is crucial or more than some other issues you want to emphasize um, this? I would say that there are so many things that we have kind of that hasn't come to our attention yet and there are so many people who who 
can't get their stories out loudly enough and who mm-hmm. really need to be heard. Um, and especially with minorities, I think for me, that's kind of, there's another like personal layer with it for me because I, I have a disability which kind of puts me in the minority category as as i would say it but i mean i don't really care about the labels but the the fact is that i have faced some sort of um you know dirty stares from society because of the way that i am so i think i can empathize a lot more with minorities and with with people's rights and stuff like that because whenever i hear um that somebody is being treated unfairly just because of the way that they are and they're born and they're existing it's just like it like you know <laughs> yeah it like pushes pushes all my buttons and i have to yell that that's not great <laughs> but um yeah so that's kind of why i think it's uh it's important for me because i i really wished that like Right now, there are people on social media who have like similar conditions that I have and um, who are kind of showing themselves proudly and they're proud of who they are and they don't try to hide anything. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, all I heard was like, oh, you have to hide this because if you don't, nobody's gonna ever like you. So I I always think like, oh, I, I would have been so happy if there was somebody like that when I was growing up, you know, it would have helped me so much so i'm so glad that right now i can see on the internet there are people who bring awareness to it and uh, and they have all of this um, body positivity um, culture coming up Um, so that that makes me really happy of course as long as it doesn't get toxic because positivity can get toxic as well so i i agree with that so yeah and uh, so the, the this is a very interesting argument you are making claiming that this uh, fight against isolation or loneliness is uh, calls this uh, free speech um, on social media that's 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 interesting i never think of this problem that way okay because i think it's like we we grow attached to the things that we see and all of us we have a really unique um Mm. Instagram feeds because the algorithm offers us what we want to see. That's how it's built. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and for example, if if I were to look at your Instagram feed, I would probably see things that I would never see on my own. So mm-hmm. it's 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 built um, by person, and our beliefs, especially with this generation who have like like me who has grown up with the internet already existing a lot of our beliefs and things that we think are right, it just comes from the information that we consume day to day, just scrolling through our phones. And it becomes really ingrained in us. And before that, it was our parents, you know, telling us, oh, this is all, this is okay, or it was our friend group. Right now, it's mostly internet, especially maybe with people who are a bit younger than me, like Gen Z. And what you see 
there it becomes the reality for you and if we can create this space where everybody is accepted and that's mm -hmm. how that's mm -hmm. what we see every day when we go on instagram or on twitter or on something then that's the mindset that we're gonna grow up with it's gonna come naturally because people nobody is born hating that's taught we we kind of the world makes us do that if we see that's coming at us and if we create this positive space where we just allow people to exist the way that they are then that's it's going to become the norm and i really hope that i'm gonna be around to see that really happen so yes yes that, that that's the main issue but that's also the influence is also in, in, uh, in on, about oaks and conspiracy theories and the use and uh, yeah. it's um so um the in we are we are in latvia you are you are latvian and it's um singing in choirs is uh part of the of a culture yeah. so may, maybe maybe you did uh, I did, yeah. I, I, I was uh, singing in, uh, in a school choir when I was in uh, middle school and primary school. Yeah, and it, and it turns out South Korean seems to be very fond of Latvian choirs, according to mm. what I know. It's, um, so you, you didn't choose music as um, a way to, if I, to express yourself artistically, if I, maybe I'm wrong? Or, I, I've always been really fond of music. Yeah. I, I, I play guitar a little bit and I've written... Um, a few songs but mm -hmm. it's it it's not really i think for me music i really love listening to it and i i love singing mm -hmm. but when it comes to creative ex like creative expression through actually writing lyrics mm -hmm. and writing music I, I find that I need to be in a really dark place to do that. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I need to be really, really sad. Like, I need to be so sad that I can't draw it out. I can't make a drawing out of it and then I write music. Um, so it's... Unless I, I kind of teach myself um, to be able to write it without the tragedy under it, it's probably going to be something that's um, mm -hmm. a bit... <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> But um, so next time you make a post where you are playing and creating music, I, 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 I will <laughs> I will start to worry. Okay, but so there is a this I, I want to ask uh, other people this same this same question. But uh, there is a, a big diaspora of Latvian people in Canada, in United States, in Australia, in a lot of places. What is what would you? This is a tough question, but how would you define? Uh, Latvian identity. What what is it to be Latvian? I think for me, it would be um, just the not pretentiousness. I would say, because I have noticed that when I go abroad, people tend to be a lot more um, friendly and open, and all of these things are are great. But the thing is that sometimes they're friendly and open with you, even when they don't like you. <laughs> And with Latvian people, I think they don't really try to hide um, things behind smiling too much. That's why I think um, a lot of foreigners tend to think that we're angry and that we're bitter and sad about things all all the time. <laughs> but okay. uh, I've heard that. Um, but yeah, I think just 
yeah as an as an introvert myself i can say that it's like latvia really is the nation of introverts like i can kind of feel a bit more at peace while i'm at here than anywhere else because there will be a lot more people like me in latvia so uh, okay. yeah <laughs> okay okay that's that's an interesting answer okay so thank you very much anna <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's been been really lovely.